We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Chicago, Victor Cruz. It's a Tuesday Cruise Day here on the Moose and Runes Podcast. Matt Rudy, Joe Musso coming at you for episode five of the Moose and Runes Podcast. We're talking Victor Cruz to the Chicago Bears amongst a myriad of other things. Matter, how you doing this morning, baby? Good, good. Great. Uh, nice long weekend. Uh, just wrapping it up now with you. Happy to be with you. Absolutely, and uh, we're going to try and bring a little bit of positive energy towards the Bears today. But uh, well, I'm going to bring a lot of it. I always you're going to bring a lot. We know you're going to bring a lot of it. The, the false positivity from you is always uh, encouraging. It's fun, isn't it fun? But uh, but no, we'll break down this Victor Cruz move amongst other things. We're going to talk NBA Finals, do some predictions there. We'll talk NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs, and uh, we'll hit some other topics. Maybe some unsavory ones. Our boy, uh, uh, our boy Tiger, dragging himself to the mud mm. once again. So. Uh, We'll talk about it all, and that's coming up. But uh, let's start things off here talking about Victor Cruz. Matt, what was your initial thought, and just the first thing that came to your head when you heard about this signing, when Victor Cruz dropped that fire Instagram? You know, I just I kind of thought it made a lot of sense, and then I saw the deal, like we were talking about earlier. It's, you know, it's a, just a one-year deal; doesn't really cost the Bears much, and he's he's a guy who is also on his his end needs that one-year deal to kind of prove himself after coming after oops, excuse me coming off a couple injuries. And he's the type of guy the Bears should be going after right now. They need to go after bodies. <laughs> and yeah. They're not trying to win yet. They're trying to get guys out there, and they're trying to get let some younger guys grow. And he's a guy who can maybe maybe help a Kevin White come along, help some younger receivers come along, but also has incentives to have a good season and go out and try and get paid. Yeah, I think that's really important because the contract does have some incentives on it to bump him all the way up to $4 million and with a guy who's over the hill a little long in the tooth you want to kind of if you can convince him to go get his money like the bears have here and take this opportunity that means that victor Cruz still believes in himself and that's step one in this whole process when you got a guy who has had two major injuries i believe it was the patella tendon in 2013 and then a calf in 2014 yeah. um you really want a guy who still thinks he has it in the tank and this incentive-based contract makes me think that way at least about Victor Cruz. Yeah, you know, it's it's not like he, he's older, no no doubt about it, but he is only 30, so it's not like he's on his last legs here. If he's healthy, which I guess we won't really know until the season starts, but if he is fully healthy and he's ready to go and his legs are fine, I mean, he, there's no reason why he can't go out and have a, a pretty good year and make some money and do some good things for the Bears and, you know, on and off the field. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there's a good season in the cards for him, just because he's coming into a situation that that's probably the third worst, fourth worst. If you're going by scoring, the fourth worst offense in the league last year. So I don't know if it is the best situation from him. If we step out of the Chicago box here and kind of look at it, let's say you were a Raiders fan or a, a Chargers fan, or you were a fan from across the country, and you're looking into the Bears, the Bears are a laughing stock right now of the NFL. The Bears are in the conversation with the Jets, they're in the conversation with the Browns, they're in they're in that bottom tier right now. So if you're a fan outside of Chicago looking at this, this just looks like a money grab. This looks like a guy trying to go get his last couple checks and maybe prove something where there's no pressure, where there is no expectation, you know? If we're if we're kind of looking at it from the outside in. 
You'd have to think a guy like him probably had offers, el- not big offers elsewhere, but similar offers from similar situations or even better I honestly situations don't know, than this, I right? honestly don't know how much interest he was drumming up. It took this long for him to get on a roster, and he even came out and said some things uh, to the tune that he was blackballed in New York and they kind of shut him out because they didn't want to continue to pay him. But if you're if you're looking at their wide receiver core, how outstanding how yeah, but how outstanding of a core is it if you can put Victor Cruz alongside an Odell Beckham Jr. and a Brandon Marshall? Victor Cruz has no weight on his shoulders then. He's just kind of the OG who goes out there and catches maybe three, four balls a game and scores a couple touchdowns. Yeah, but they already got a guy like Sterling Shepard too, and maybe they just kind of feel like they're have They're some kind of rounded places. out already. They kind yeah. of have some other places. Well, $4 million isn't a huge amount of money that you know he could mm-hmm. possibly make, but they maybe find themselves thinking they have some other spots they can put that money. But I guess that's enough about New York Giants football. <laughs> yeah, and if if you allow me to zoom out again and, Please do. and lament over the Bears a bit. That's why we're here, Joe. Well, this is another Band-Aid. I mean, if you look at the offseason – Take a comprehensive look at the offseason and see what the Bears did. They signed two quarterbacks for a lot of money, a rookie and Mike Glennon. And let's be honest, we've just heard his name a lot. Mike Glennon has not proved himself at all in the NFL. They drafted a Juco, essentially a Juco running back, a Division II tight end. They've added now a 31-year-old twice seriously injured wide receiver these are all band-aids they're not putting anyone in any position to succeed well i can't call the draft picks band-aids yet and while something that i, I agree with you 100 percent that a lot of those draft picks have question marks we really can't judge what they are who they are for a couple of years or two if you want to be upset about them now that's fine but with regards to these band-aids they're getting band-aids because that's what you do when you're rebuilding. And once you're waiting for your guys to come along, you get these band-aids as guys, these younger guys can learn from, come up. And then once you're ready to win, you go out and make those big splashes. I think this is what you see all across baseball and rebuilds. Hell, when different sport, but when the Cubs were rebuilding, they had a bunch of these band-aids. I mean, that's just what you do. You sign these veterans who can help your locker room, who can maybe help your younger guys come along. And then once your time to be good, you stop going after those guys. And I completely agree with that, they but I think bodies. we're looking. We're looking. They need bodies, but we're looking at this in a, from a from a different angle here because the Bears already made their big splash. They just drafted their what they consider their franchise quarterback too early. The team wasn't ready for a franchise quarterback, and now you're bringing someone into a situation, and they're just destined to fail because you have a bunch of bodies around a guy that needs to learn the system, that needs to learn the league, and then that needs to take your team from a bottom feeder to the top of the NFC North. That's just not going to happen. Let's be realistic. He's Look, not in a position to succeed. We've set this kid up, we've set Trubisky up to fail. Because unless this roster turns over completely in the next 365 days, and we do hold Trubisky out for an entire season, he's going to come in there with minimal weapons at wide receiver. Look at this wide receiving core. Victor Cruz, you got... The ghost of Kevin White, Marcus Wheaton, and Cam Meredith. Like, who are these guys? You got three slot receivers and a downfield threat that we have no idea who he is still. So I'm just I'm saying that these band-aids all came at the wrong time. You can bring your bodies in, you can surround Mike Glennon. That would have been a perfect idea. Surround Mike Glennon with what you think could be burgeoning talent that can grow, and then you bring in your quarterback. Your quarterback was brought in too early, I guess, is my biggest issue here with the way that the Bears have gone about the last 
six months. We we can go in circles all you want about this one. We're just always going to be on different sides of it, I think. And I don't think we're neither of us are going to know if we're right till about two or three years down the road. But you mentioned I feel Kevin like White. I'm super right, man. I, that's I feel fair. Like I'm super so do right. I. We both have. I, I think in every conversation the two of us have no, no, had, we've both thought that we were super right. I completely. But agree. you mentioned Kevin White. Uh, I'm not sure what you saw about uh, what John Fox was saying him at, about him at OTAs. You you. I don't know what you're expecting from this guy this year, but he's he's not on the field yet, and Fox mm-hmm. was kind of saying he's not certain when that's going to happen, but also kind of vaguely said he's not certain when anybody's going to be on the field, so didn't give us anything. You, We're you, all day-to-day, man. You worried about him a little bit this year again? I I don't think I'm worried about it because I don't expect him to play. I expect there to be injury issues. I expect him – I mean, you're never going to get a full 16 games out of this guy. And that's that's most players in the NFL today. Yeah. It's a violent sport. But you, what bothers me about this one is you drafted a guy knowing he had injury issues. I was in the room when he sat down at the table and just was surprised that he went that early. And you know, it was the draft was in Chicago. He was feeling the hometown love. But I think everyone in that room was kind of confused about like, okay, this is a guy who's injured. Has only played a little bit of college football what is this here? So there's a lot of unknown and none of those questions have been answered. So I have zero expectation for Kevin White. I just want to, I want to see him play football so I can then set my expectations. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you. You've, you've seen just the the small flashes from this guy a little bit last year. I think was Dallas was the game he got hurt, but I think that was also when Hoyer finally started throwing to him when Cutler was out and he started to throw a couple flashes, but then went down and it's, it, I know what you mean. It was a it was a weird draft pick, probably not the right one at the time. But he seems like a good guy, and I just I'm at least hoping that he can finally get healthy and you know see him for not 16 because he's not going to play 16 this year, but you know 10, 11 games maybe, and you see if maybe you have something for the future. Not he's not. I think him being a number one or two wide receiver might be out of the question. Maybe see if you have something as a as a three or four down the road. Yeah, and like we said, he's gonna have to be the downfield threat because. Yeah. He can you got run. a lot. You got a lot of six foot receivers that play a good slot position right now. Exactly. Uh, let's spin this back to Victor Cruz here and get a little positive. An absolute style icon. So happy that that's coming to the city of Chicago. He's been known for his uh, pregame, postgame look. So that if nothing else, we'll be uh, we'll be treated to some to some fashion. Oh, and we love talking fashion on this. Show. You know, you know, we're a big fashion. We're actually a half sports, half fashion podcast. I think. Well, it's really more me asking you questions about fashion, but yes. So Victor Cruz gonna 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 bring the noise, maybe some 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 hot suits, and uh, maybe come at us with a little Russell Westbrook kind of nuance. You, you touched on the salsa too, obviously early on, Joe. You you were a receiver back in the day. You ever uh, ever bust out a salsa touchdown dance or anything? Uh, anything uh, you're proud of? Anything you want to share? I never did this. I never busted out a salsa because you know Normash kind of kept the reins on. Yeah, uh, but last game last game of the career, I, I did. I did a little wiggle after I scored against Elmhurst. That was uh, that was a good time. We knew we knew that that was the last game, and um, got busy. Got a little busy, you know. Did a little dance, but nothing to the tune of a salsa. That was, I think, that's partially kind of Victor Cruz came from obscurity. He was this kid from Patterson, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and the story of you know just how hard his childhood was and working to where he got, and then he was. I don't know if he was a conduit, but he was definitely between the kind of Ocho Cinco, T.O. era, and now this Odell Beckham era, and he kind of carried that that swagger at the receiver position. Which carried really the torch cool. a little bit. He did, and he did it in a respectful way. You never, 
you never talked about Victor Cruz going overboard. So I really, I liked, you know, you, you gotta like anyone who can, who can start a, start a trend of that magnitude. It was the dab before the dab, you know, he was salsa and you had little kids salsa in the end zone. So hopefully uh, he can turn, he can turn the end zone into the dance floor uh, at Soldier Field. This season. Yeah. They never let me salsa in the end zone. I was a lineman. So yeah, well you could salsa in the mirror though, Matt, you could still work on your two step. It's not the same. <laughs> but I think it also needs to be said about Victor Cruz to kind of go back to the football side. There's no expectation. There's really no pressure on any of these Bears because I think that most Bears fans in the right mind aren't expecting this to be the turnaround season. No. And when you're signing a guy to a one-year contract in a year that's just supposed to be, let's call it, a quote-unquote building year, there's no pressure on him. I, I'm with you, and I think that's why you might see him play a little bit loose, maybe see some of these guys play a little bit loose and, and be a little bit better than you think, and by a little bit better than you think, I think I mean like win five games. And you got to think that he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder with the way things ended in New York as well. Yeah, exactly. He wants to go out and prove him wrong, and there's um, there's there's a lot there's a lot to be said about an athlete who's playing with a chip on his shoulder, especially one with as much talent as Victor Cruz, even though he's been hurt. We've seen how good this guy can be when he wants to be. So maybe we'll see not that, but maybe flashes of that at some point throughout this year. Hopefully, definitely a version of it. Well, yeah. if we're if we're on the topic of. Uh, athletes over the hill i think that there's one topic that needs to be broached quite immediately and oh. uh, we're talking about we're talking about the icon tiger woods just again tumultuous times for tiger uh, getting pulled over and getting the dui and jupiter a lot of questions still to be answered here but just i hate to i hate to use kind of the media speak on it the optics here aren't good matt no especially with that mug shot the, the optics literally were not good and this is this um, is a guy, what bothered me that that was what bothered me the most about this. Tiger Woods is a person who understands personal image. He's made billions of dollars on personal image. He built a personal image, mind you. It may not have been the most true. Yeah, it might not have been who Tiger Woods actually was. But he did but build he, an he's image. Built personal image. There's got to be something off in his head, or he had to have been so messed up that he said, just take the picture. Tiger Woods moves his hair over a little bit. Tiger Woods splashes some water in his face. Tiger Woods understands the fact that this mugshot will live in infamy along with him. And for him to take that picture in that state just resonates that something isn't clicking there right now. Yeah, and I, he'd been, he'd done a pretty nice job ever since, you know, all that, the, I guess the, stuff happened to his image what was it nine years ago or however many years ago it was now 2009 yeah. was it? so seven seven years ago whatever it's been yeah, the, the u.s open um he, he's he's done a nice job of kind of keeping his image clean and kind of staying out of stuff like this and granted he's said a hundred times throughout these years that he's finally feeling healthy and his back's doing better but he had just kind of said what was it, two three days ago you know his back's doing better doctors are encouraged and then comes out never like, felt this good yeah it, it, it makes you wonder if maybe that's not again, not what's been told to him. It was another setback, and he's just kind of a little bit off. And granted, he's come out and said that you know this is just a, a bad mix of medications and alcohol wasn't involved. And I'm not sure if we'll be, ever be able to see those toxicology reports and, and find out. But either way, it's just it makes you think, like you said, something seriously kind of is wrong again. And, and you hope for the best for the guy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I at this point, I don't, I don't think we'll ever see Tiger Woods play. PGA Tour caliber golf again, and that's hard for me to say because I'm the biggest Tiger fan. Oh, I know. Like you, 
you are yourself. I just want the guy to be okay at this point. You want him to, he's at rock bottom right now as a golfer and as a human being. And I think you got to figure out the human being side before you can even think about picking up a club at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. And granted, he basically did the human being side to himself. So it, so he put himself in this spot, but at the same time, you have to have a little bit of sympathy for the guy and hope that he can kind of start picking up the pieces and maybe get his head right. And once you get your head right, maybe you can start working physically on your back and you know, be in a position where you could at least be a competitive golfer, probably not winning anything, but not embarrassing yourself and having to pull out of the tournament every time you start one. And you know, Tiger was Tiger Woods was a he was a rocket ship. He was a comet. Just his ascent is only being matched by his decline. Now, it's it's really true. It's just, which is such a shame. Even after the infidelity and all the stories came out, I still kind of felt like Tiger Woods would be remembered as a golfer by the large majority of sports fans, not as an adulteress, as a bad mm-hmm. person. As I felt like he. You know, he was on the recovery tour. He was kind of, he was doing his retribution. He was taking time. And now this is just another, this is such a large step backwards that his greatness is now met by his kind of tumult. Yeah, and you know, I, we're kind of like the last age group here that I think is going to remember Tiger more as a golfer than as what he, you know, kind of has become since that incident in 2009 and that's a little bit that's kind of sad to me because the the kind of the group younger than us will never know how good of a golfer tiger woods tiger woods was excuse me or kind of understand how close he was to being to that point where we were going to make him the greatest golfer to ever hold the golf club and he still might be the best golfer when he was at his best to ever hold the golf club but now we'll kind of never really know he's a he's a transcendent talent though matt like we never watched Arnold Palmer swing a club, but I could tell you a lot of stuff about Arnold Palmer tournaments. He won mm-hmm. changes he made for the game. I, I think that tigers, I think that tigers greatness will live on at least within the confines of the golf channel. I'm with but, you. And I think maybe a couple you know, years down the road, once some of this stuff blows over, it will, but Jack, this and will always never be really, the footnote. Yeah. Jack, Jack and Arnie never really had, I mean, they rose to the top and were the best, but they didn't really fall to rock bottom. Hold on. You got, you got calls over there, Matt? I have no idea. I didn't even know we had a phone in this house. <laughs> you need to leave that in the podcast. Dear, Who I is no- it? Let's get the third voice in here. We'll jump back in. Um, but yeah, kind of closing the door on Tiger. Was there alcohol involved? Did he do a field sobriety test? What was the BAC if he did do the field sobriety test? Was there someone in the passenger seat? Who was that individual in the passenger seat? So this story is far from over. We're going to hear a lot more about this. But like we said, just just really hoping that Tiger can kind of figure it out between the ears before he even thinks about swinging at a, a golf club again. Yeah, like like we said earlier, even though he did some bad stuff in the past, I don't think he ever wished this type of stuff or this bad of a place, uh, you know, on anybody. And, and can can it also be mentioned the it wasn't booze, just pills excuse and how just ridiculous that well, is? Can like don't toxicology reports if this goes to court, which I think it. And probably will unless he just pleads guilty. Won't those come out? It won't I think won't that, we find out? I don't think we'll ever find out a thing about this. Sure. Tiger's lived in Jupiter for a long time. I'm surprised that we heard about this at all because you got to think Tiger knows every police officer in the town. And most, I don't know if it's just a different day and age, but 
wouldn't you put Tiger Woods in the back of the squad car and go hush hush? It's good to have a billionaire owe you a favor. Yeah, let's 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 go home, bad, Tiger. I don't know if that's bad ethics or morals, but how about I give you a ride home, Tiger? Yeah, and yeah. hope he's okay. Just not the day and age we live in anymore. No, I guess not. The day and age right, we do gonna, live in now is is a day and age where you can have a ride pick you up in five minutes at the click of a button on your phone, but he chose they to have that instead. Oh, they have no. that service now? Uh, only for the really rich people like Tiger. Ah, the rich and yeah. famous. Mm-hmm. I believe it's called Uber. Yes. Uber. Well, seamless transition here, Matt. We're going to get back to sports, actual points being scored. Ooh. It's finally here. The long-awaited, a wasted 82 games, a wasted playoffs, but now we get the two weeks that the NBA actually matters. Warriors, Cavs, I need your prediction. How many games? Who wins? Well, first off, by finally here, you mean still two days from now. Yeah, um, it's still, still Thursday. Still got a little Thursday, bit of Thursday. We don't know when our listeners are going to be listening to this podcast, so that might time up just perfectly for some Could. people. That's like, yeah. a, that's like a little nugget right there. That's a time bomb that that's could explode perfectly for our Thursday viewers. I like that. I think we get a listeners. lot of those. There's a big Thursday market. There's a Thursday push. Um, I think I'm going to go with Golden State. Um, okay. Grant, I don't know. I don't think I know any more about these two teams now than I did before the playoffs started because mm-hmm. – Neither of them were really tested. I can't really say that Cleveland was tested, even though they lost a game and kind of almost lost another against Boston. I'm still not sure that was really Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And they were playing, or they were just kind of going through the motions. Um, but I, I think Cleveland has a tendency to kind of fall into lulls a little bit more than Golden State does, where, where they're kind of more of themselves, with the exception of that quarter against, or the, I'm sorry, the half against San Antonio before Kawhi went down. Golden State's kind of been themselves throughout this playoffs and just blowing everybody out, whereas Cleveland has had that tendency to fall into lulls. And mm-hmm. if they do that like they did, what was it, game five against Boston where they went and were down big at half and ended up coming back and winning. But they, they can't spot Golden State any points. Uh, they're going to have yeah. to be really, really good to beat Golden State. And Golden State's going to have to be really, really good to beat Cleveland, but both of them are. And I think Cleveland tends to fall into those lulls a little bit more, and I, I, I think it's – almost impossible to get out of them against a team like the Warriors. So I, w- I would probably say the Warriors in six. You said Warriors six. I got Warriors in seven written down here. I think it's going to be another great one. I think it's going to be a classic. But the depth of Golden State strikes me to be a lot more dangerous than that of the Cavs. And if you're going to be in the, a war of attrition like this where it's going to be a long series, uh, fatigue shouldn't be an issue. These guys have now had nine some guys have had 10 days off to rest coming into this series but once you do start playing these games and you start traveling from coast to coast or i know cleveland's not on a coast but from one side of the country to the other that starts to wear on you so i think that the depth of the warriors is definitely going to come into it but there's there's storylines galore in this one you look left you look right there's something going on so i think that's what makes this really captivating you got KD ring chasing, will it work in in season one? You got LeBron trying to edge closer to the ghost of Jordan. You got him still trying to salvage that finals record because if he loses here, correct me if I'm wrong, that's that would put him at three of eight. He's currently at three of seven, so four of eight looks a lot better than three of eight, so there's there's something there. You got Irving versus Curry, which is its own story that's I honestly think hot. that's what I'm most excited to watch that's gonna be two. so fun to watch those guys run those offenses because I know they're not true point guards they're more shooting guards but when there's that many guys on the court who can score they're gonna be facilitating as well and just the handles by those two guys that's gonna be a fun matchup to watch and you got Mike Brown versus uh versus LeBron I know that's not a direct um 
it's, a direct matchup, but it's, it's a story still awesome. Line. Yeah. Uh, I, no, I, I agree with you, and I think another thing I'm looking forward to is, like, like you said, there's so many people on the floor who can score for both of these teams. I, I'm just kind of looking forward to everybody, every one of these big stars kind of having their own individual game, looking for that LeBron game, looking for a Curry game, a Durant game, a, a Kyrie game, a Clay Thompson game. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that can take over these games at any given time, and that's, I think, what makes this series so exciting, is, is while we toiled through awful awful playoffs and a pretty awful regular season we are going to get a little bit of a small payoff here in these hopefully you know two weeks where we just get to see someone else new every night and something different something unexpected and and spectacular happen in some of these games yeah and if this thing doesn't go six or seven the nba's got a real issue you're gonna have a a problem you're gonna have a lot of fans feel like they were cheated out of a season time money and just they're going to wonder what what the direction of the league is. I think a lot of people are already wondering what the direction of the league is. My short answer to that is more super teams. You're going to have more guys joining forces. If we can only if we could make this thing interesting between four teams rather than two, that'd be great. At least get get the fans interested in the conference finals. Move Chris Paul to San Antonio. Do something to mm-hmm. make this thing. Um, but yeah, if this thing doesn't go the distance, the NBA and Adam Silver. Have to figure something out to uh, kind of regain the competitive balance here. I don't see either one of these teams blowing out the other. If it would be a five-game series, I think it would go Golden State's way. Just when that shooting gets hot, sometimes they are unbeatable. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're impossible to stop. I mean, when, when Steph is, you know, crossing half court, dribbling over one time and just kind of tossing things up like nonchalantly, and he's making them like that, which he does. Uh, he went on his mouth really, guard. really hard to beat. Yeah, chewing on the mouth yeah. guard. Stole that you know, from Patrick Kane. Waving, waving to Aisha in the stands. I love Aisha. <laughs> I'm a huge Aisha Curry fan. That, honestly, I don't think that's a question I ever would have asked. But now that you mentioned it, that's one of the least surprising things. I think. Does it make sense? It makes a lot. She's got of like sense. she's got shows on Food Network now. She's she's something special. It just makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know why. It just <laughs> Joe Musso liking Aisha Curry sounds about right. That that's not up. a bad thing. It all adds up. Uh, all right, Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot here real quick. MVP prediction. Finals MVP. I'm going to go KD. KD? I think KD gets it done. Definitely a popular one out there. And KD, I think, is the toughest matchup for the Cavs in this one. You can't put LeBron on him and have LeBron chase a seven-footer for seven games. He's going to be burnt out. I know mm-hmm. he's a freak of nature, but you're going to have to spell LeBron with some other guys guarding him. Whereas on the other side of things, Draymond does a pretty solid job of keeping LeBron in check. So I think that matchup favors KD. Could be a big series for him. Personally, I'm going with the sleeper pick here because he's only averaged, I think, around 13 points this playoffs. But... He might be sliding under the radar in the scouting report. I know it's hard to say that because he's one of the most prolific shooters in his short NBA career, but I think Klay Thompson has a breakout series here, maybe a couple 40-point games that might earn him an MVP trophy. Yeah, you know, he's almost kind of become the forgotten man on that team with, you know, Steph and KD obviously being the two superstars, Draymond being the loud vocal one. Klay, this last year, has kind of just been lost in the shuffle a little bit, even though still quietly having a really, really good year. So that, that's yeah. not a bad pick. And I do think, well, I don't think he's going to win the award because he won't put up the numbers and the, you know, flashy, doesn't have the flashier name like Durant or uh, or Curry. He doesn't, have Dray- the, he doesn't have the splash person. Exactly. I think Draymond actually might be the most valuable player in this series. I don't think he's going to win finals MVP, but I just I think what he does on the court for them, kind of a Mr. Everything, you know, he grabs rebound, assists, steals, 
score some points, hit some threes. I mean, if he doesn't get suspended last year, you Golden saw the State impact last year. I was about to say, yeah, you saw so the impact I, I, last year. While I don't think he's going to put up the numbers to win the award, because I think you're going to see guys like LeBron, Steph, KD, Clay put up massive numbers. I think he mm-hmm. actually might be the most valuable player in this series. We get back to that conversation of what is the criteria of most valuable? How do you define most valuable? But I definitely agree with you in that sense that if you removed one piece from either team, what piece would be the hardest for that team to survive? I think Draymond might be that piece. I would I would agree totally. Obviously LeBron on the other side of the fold, but mm-hmm. um but yeah, Draymond definitely is kind of the uh the battery in the back of that whole machine. Um Go ahead. One last question. I was going to say, I don't know if you have the faculties to, to pick a little sleeper who's going to make a big difference of the non-big names. You know, I, I, again, I haven't watched a ton of basketball this year, but mm-hmm. uh, JaVale McGee has been a, a very nice role player for Golden State, kind of fitting into that five spot. Mm-hmm. And if he can be a little bit of a disruptor down low, grab some rebounds, and just kind of do his job and do what he's expected to do, which is, is not much, play some defense, grab some rebounds – and be that down-low post presence that Golden State's kind of been lacking. Um, I think he's kind of your your sleeper impact player that's not going to get much credit. I like that call, and I, I immediately go to the opposite side of that matchup. My sleeper is Tristan Thompson here. Tristan Kardashian, I don't know where the where the nuptials are it's, at. It's going to be Kardashian-Thompson. Well, I think it's important that he does well in, in this last uh, two-week stretch here because once you get to the offseason and you're dating a Kardashian, bad things happen. So Apparently LeBron a, uh, won't let him get married to her. It's a slippery slope. Well, God bless you then, LeBron, because you got a guy who's playing out of his mind. Tristan Thompson's been really attacking the offensive boards for, uh, for the Cavs, and he had a great series last series, and he's a guy who can maybe match that JaVale energy maybe even get in in Draymond, Draymond's kitchen a little bit and, and bother him there he's had a great playoffs and I think he'll continue to do so um just those offensive boards and second chance opportunities on the offensive end those lead to wins quite quite directly if you look at who wins the offensive boards and the defensive boards that's usually who wins the game yeah and I, I think when you said uh, how great of a playoffs he's having I think you're seeing why LeBron advocated so much for Cleveland to give this guy some money and bring him. Yeah. He sees finally kind of paying off, uh, you know, LeBron's, uh, you know, backing up the he, uh, he was the last off season. Yeah. Goodwill, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, let's, let's skate more into your wheelhouse here. We're, uh, we're going to get into the Stanley cup finals game one yesterday. We're recording this on a Tuesday, uh, due to the holiday on Monday. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, Pittsburgh, with the 1-0 lead, it was a fun one yesterday. Maybe not the cleanest game of hockey, but maybe to be expected, some Game 1 jitters in the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, a lot of people going into this series, I think everybody, like most rounds this this uh, playoff so far, has been picking Pittsburgh. But I think a lot of people have been saying, you know, Nashville's down their top center. They're not going to be able to compete with Pittsburgh down the middle, all that stuff. And, you know, Pittsburgh might make quick work of them. I think Nashville showed you the exact opposite last night. I don't think they care who is lining up down the middle. I think they've bought into a system. They bought into a style of play of hockey, and they don't care who they're going up against. Granted, they didn't win last night because their goalie stopped uh, six of ten shots, I think it was, which, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, I don't think that wins you many hockey games. Bad um, numbers. But I think they showed last night that they're not going anywhere, and they're not going to lie down against Pittsburgh. And If it weren't for a terrible, terrible overturned goal in the first period, I think yeah, you might have bad. seen that. I mean, you probably see Nashville go out and win that game. And yeah. not only that, was it was that terrible. They're, 
the uh, was the the trip on the five on three um, when when Pittsburgh got that first uh, it was two minute five on three where Nashville took two penalties in the same play. The mm-hmm. first trip was a phantom trip. Hornquist tripped over his, two, his own two feet, yeah. and Trevor Daly on the cross check. James Neal shouldn't have been cross checking him for no apparent reason. Daly kind of embellished a little bit, Joe, if if I might. Um, yeah. I think Nashville's got a real chance in this series. And if Pecorine gloves that Evgeny Malkin slap shot with 18 seconds left that he perfectly saw that went off his glove, maybe it's a different game. But that said, this is going to be a fun series if Nashville does what they did last night. Because after that eight-minute span at the end of the first where Pittsburgh dominated, it was domination that I really haven't seen in this playoffs or in a long time. And I watched Nashville play the Hawks. Yeah. And I think Nashville... You made a great point that they're not going to go anywhere and they're going to be a, a team who's not going to lie down for, for the Penguins. But if Pecorino is not on his P's and Q's, it's going to be a quick series because goal. we always talk about it, everyone talks about it, goalie play is what wins you the Stanley Cup. The hot goalie is usually the one hoisting the cup at the end of the season. Pekka was the hot goalie and if he can't figure it out, if this is not just a one-game occurrence, it doesn't matter how bad they want it. If your goalie letting pucks flip off of his glove like that for game winners, you're in trouble. That's true, and I think we'll see going along uh, deeper into the series whether or not that was a little bit more first game jitters or whatever the hell it was. But one thing I will say, and that that goal that he allowed, you know, that was on the things Pittsburgh's first shot in 35 minutes or something like that. Goalies are not only very weird people, but they're. When they get into a rhythm or when they're not allowed to get into that rhythm where they're just kind of standing there not doing much for a while, uh, some goalies tend to you know, grow some rust, be a little bit off their game. And I'm, I'm guessing, maybe hoping that's what that was last night. That, that Granted, that was a pretty nice shot by, I think it was Jake Gensel, but maybe that's what that was and he was just a little bit out of it because he hadn't had to make a save in 35-plus minutes. But, you know, again, we'll, we'll see going on. But if he can be... His old self, I think Nashville has a very, very good chance in this series going forward. I'd have to agree with you. And you talked about the officiating a little bit. Oh, uh, God. Those overturned calls. And I know you got to go up to the booth, you got to go back to the war room. And there's a lot of different people stirring the pot here. But it made me think a little bit is there a sport, because you're removing players from the field other than soccer with a red card, is there a sport where a, a referee can more, more directly affect the competitive balance? No, I, I really don't think so. Um, I, I think that's actually a pretty good point because you're picking who you're who you're taking off. Yeah. Um, but as far as that replay went last night, I mean, the NHL, there, there's been a couple instances of it this year. It wasn't just last night. There was a Hawks game uh, earlier this year where I think they're playing the Wild and Minnesota was clearly off sides, but they you know, didn't yes. call it, gave them the goal. The, the NHL needs to draw the line of what they're calling their replays. Uh, it, but... Don't tell me that it has to be definitive for me to overturn it because if, if I, and I, I've been told this, that the camera angles we're seeing on TV are the ones they're seeing on their, those small little iPads that they look at, mm-hmm. you know, the small little iPads where we'll, we'll, we're all watching it on big HD screen TVs. At least get them an iPad Pro. They exactly. got bigger iPads. Get them something nicer. <laughs> I think they're just using tablets, but whatever. <laughs> we saw last night that there was no – clear evidence that, that whether or not that blade was an inch off the ice on the yeah. ice a centimeter, you could not tell it was way too blurry there's there's zero chance anybody except if they had superman laser eye vision could tell don't tell me that it needs to be definitive tell me that you know what 
our refs, if we think that this was the case, we're going to make that call. Because as well, I won't agree with that. At least I'll understand why you just made the call. I, I left that review last night having zero idea why they made that call. Yeah. What evidence Matt, there was. Sorry, I'm off my hockey soapbox. I know we got No, you're fine. I, I, I enjoy it, but I'm going to have to challenge you to do something for me for the uh, entirety of the podcast. You have, to find a, you, have a, you have to find a way to every week mention seamlessly Superman eye vision. Okay, I can do that. Superman laser eye vision. I can do that. Get, you need to get that in every podcast. I'm that's, fine that, with that. That'll that's be my trademark. Homework. All right. And uh, okay, so we got to get down to the brass tacks of it. Prediction time. Matt, who wins the Stanley Cup? How many games? Man, I was I would have gone Pittsburgh and, you know, probably six before last night, but I'm gonna say Nashville takes it in seven. I'm gonna okay. go out on a limb, I'm gonna pick Nashville in seven. I loved what I saw from them last night. And it's hard you're not probably to. you're probably closer to the reality because you're closer to the game than I am, but I'm gonna say Pittsburgh in five. Because okay. I'm gonna go with the narrative that uh, Pecorine, it wasn't just first game jitters, that this is kind of who he is in the moment. Uh, if There's it's definitely game, more evidence supporting your claim, by the way. Yeah, because he, he has folded in the past. He's just never gotten to this point. Mm -hmm. He's always folded earlier in the playoffs, and it's usually been at the hand of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze and, and other guys of that sort. But I think that Pecorine is now in this situation. Maybe he settles in. I think game two is huge for him because yeah. if he has another shaky performance, then it's not it's not a coincidence. It's it's a repeating occurrence, and it'll continue to repeat until Sidney Crosby's kissing another cup. Exactly. But I I can absolutely see your prediction happen. That's very excuse me, very possible. Yeah, let it rip, matter. Sorry, had a diet coke. Give it, it diet coke for breakfast. Love yeah. it. Well, breakfast uh, champions. Matt, I've had an outstanding week. I really don't have have many complaints, but uh, you got a big grievance for us? I wouldn't say it's a big one, but I got one. Air it out. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. So I was, uh, what was it? Mike and Mike, I think, was watching. I was watching earlier this week, and or maybe it was the Herd, whatever show that debates Jordan versus LeBron for the millionth time throughout these NBA playoffs, and you know, probably throughout the last five, ten years. I think it's time that we stop debating who's better, who had the better career, who's putting up the better number, whatever. Let's just appreciate the moment that we're in now, and that we're watching one of the all-time great greats in LeBron James play I don't know who would win if you put the last year's Cavs up against the 96 Bulls none of us do because it's never going to happen I, I don't know who would win if you played them one-on-one -on -one. I, I know LeBron's record you know going seven straight finals is incredibly impressive I know Michael Jordan had to go through more people and might have went to eight straight finals had he not retired but again we'll never know so let's just stop trying to say who's better because it's it's just a stupid debate that no one will ever know the answer to. There's no way that this debate will ever be solved. We're just watching one of the all-time greats play basketball, like we, like we did with Michael. Let's just sit back, appreciate his prime, and then if you want to revisit it after their careers are over just for a fun little debate, that's fine. But sit back, enjoy these NBA Finals, and don't, after every single game of the NBA Finals, after game one, two, three, four, five, whatever, don't give me this debate. Well, LeBron was better than Jordan in this game of game five of these NBA finals. I don't care. Just watch him play. 
Matt, I could, that's all I I, no, I couldn't agree with you more in that sense. And all of these conversations about the comparison got me thinking this week. I mean, we were really young. I was. I remember the '97 and '98 championships, but yeah. was Jordan at in year ten, even not even year thirteen, being compared to Magic still, being compared to Bird, being compared to his predecessors? Because I don't think he was that way. And I don't know if that's a credit more to Jordan's greatness or to lean that way. But I won't. I won't delve into the conversation, but it just made me think, is this treatment, was this treatment also applied to Jordan and, and kind of the historic players that went before him? We always hear that awesome story about the day the torch was passed when the dream team was practicing and Michael and Magic went at it and Magic at the end of it said, all right, it's this man's league now. There's never, we obviously never got that overlap. We never got that moment between Michael and LeBron, but it's got to be it's got to end at some point. Like you said, we got to hit the pause button and let this guy finish his career and then count the chips at the end. Yeah. Just appreciate what you're watching now. You're watching. I don't know if I'm watching the best player in NBA history. I don't know if I'm watching the fifth best, the third best, whatever. Just I know appreciate I'm what greatness. we're watching. I'm watching I know a I'm watching great greatness. NBA player, a great basketball player, someone who's the best at what he does right now. And greatness. let's just appreciate it. Greatness stands out. You don't necessarily have to understand it. I don't understand what it takes for Roger Federer to win those championships. I don't understand what it takes for Michael Phelps to dominate a pool the way he does, but dominance and greatness stick out to whether you're a sports fan or just someone who flipped on the TV. You know who the best player on the court is when LeBron James is on the court. Couldn't agree more. That's that's what I got. That's my grievance. All right, Matt. Well, we got to double back here real quick because as we are recording this, we're getting a little bit of news coming down here. Tiger Woods was found asleep at the wheel uh, at the time of his arrest, no alcohol found in the breathalyzer test. So he did take a breathalyzer test. He did blow zeros. He was a found asleep at the wheel. And uh, according to reports, it says he had extremely slow and slurred speech. So uh, it does sound like his um, his pills, not booze reasoning might have been, uh, at least that was the truth. Now, now, to dig further into that and say, are these pills an issue? Is there an, a, a, a different type of abuse going on here? That's a whole other conversation, but Tiger Woods found asleep at the wheel. Well, um, I, it's nice to know, I guess. Now we do have a little bit more of a clear image of what might have happened, but again, I think we still fall back on the same sentiment that yeah, hope he's okay. Yeah, I, I do hope he's okay, and anyone who's going to you know if he purposely mixed pills, accidentally did, but if you're behind the wheel doing something like that, I mentally I hope he's okay and you, you almost set it up for more tragedy here but I think there's only one way to go from here and it, 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 I think this is rock bottom and Tiger's got to bounce back from this I hope he does <laughs> all right Matt well we're gonna get into some buy or sell here uh, I hope you're I hope you're in a buying mood I got a couple you got a couple we'll, uh, we'll talk them out we'll hash them out uh, I'm gonna let you start us off hit me with one here all right Joe the 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 reason the story that came to light last week a little bit was Michael Vick trying to get back uh, now that he's retired from the league he wants that one year not sorry one year one day you know retirement contract so he can retire where it all started in Atlanta mm -hmm. if you're Arthur Blank if you're running that team do you think Mike Vick deserves that one year contract or again one day contract are you, you you giving it to him you letting him retire with your club I don't think Michael Vick deserves anything because of what he was responsible for with with the entire situation with the dog fighting and and what he was condoning there but I think Michael Vick is another person who has atoned for his sins. He has done everything he's needed to to get back in the good graces of football fans to kind of 
help us forgive, maybe not necessarily forget. And I think if I am Arthur Blank, I sign him and, and I let him retire as a Falcon. Because again, we go back to the conversation of greatness. When you watched Michael Vick play football, you knew you were watching something different. You knew you were watching a guy who was physically the best athlete on the field at the time. You were watching a guy who, you know, there's generational talent that bridge gaps where someone just looks like everyone else in the field is a high schooler or, or a lower level player. Mm-hmm. This guy is bridging the talent to the future of the game. Now we got a lot of guys out on the field with Michael Vick type speed, Michael Vick type talent, but he was that connector. He was that bridge. He was visible greatness. And I think that, uh, Atlanta still holds him dear. And, uh, I think it would be right that uh, number seven finishes a Falcon. Yeah, I agree. And it was at a position, too, that we never had really seen anybody uh, you know, be that elite, elite athlete. Like I said, we have them all, all over the field now in the NFL, but you never really saw one at that position either. Prior, Yeah, prior to Warren Moon was the only guy you could even talk about in the mm-hmm. same sentence with that sort of skill set at the quarterback position, and he made Warren Moon look like he had never played the game before. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mike Vick, greatness, talent, all the above. Sign him up. I'm buying, Matt. All right, what do you got for me? All right, we're going to go back to our initial topic here. Victor Cruz, buy or sell. Victor Cruz leads the Bears in receiving in receptions and yards next season. I'm going to go ahead and say no. That's um, not an option. It's buy or sell. Matt. Sorry, sell. Sorry. Okay, thank you. Sell that. Sorry, I'm <laughs> new to the whole finance market. Um, I'm going to sell uh, simply just because of his health reasons. I think he's going to be the most efficient and probably best Bears receiver when he's healthy and on the field next year. I'm just not terribly certain he's going to be healthy all year. Yeah. And I think he had a guy in Cam Meredith last year who had a little bit of a, a breakout year because of nobody else around him, but I think he saw that he – proved himself to be a little bit of a reliable target. He was healthy most of the year last year. I think he's probably the guy who ends up leading the team in receptions and probably yards, but I do think Victor Cruz is probably the best receiver on that team. And if he does stay healthy, then I would be if I knew he was going to be healthy, I would buy Victor Cruz, but I just he's been hurt the last couple of years. I can't buy that. It's a it's a fiscally prudent decision of yours, man. Yeah, I'm very fiscally responsible. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how we're just we just write off Kevin White. Like Kevin White, not even not even an option. Like I want Kevin White to be. Go I just, something I first. I don't know yeah. if he's going to be healthy. I, he's, I think he's the most talented receiver on that team. When if he can ever be healthy, and he has the highest yeah. ceiling. But we just we don't know. That's too bad. All right, Matt, hit me. All right. So we just talked about the NBA Finals. Um, mm-hmm. Steve Kerr has. It, well, I'll preface this by saying there's no doubt that he helped build the culture with the Warriors and he's a big reason why they've gotten to the point that they are when you know, he, he got there, they hadn't won yet and he kind of brought them to where they are now. But this second right now going into this series buy or sell, it doesn't matter who's on the sidelines for golden state leading that team, whether it's Mike Brown, Steve Kerr, you, me, Victor Cruz, whoever. I buy that. I completely buy that because I think, and now this might make some basketball heads, some NBA pundits um, angry, but I think that, Basketball is the sport where, in game, the coach has the least influence. Yes, we see pop strategizing. You see, put guys getting matchups right and subbing right, and but there's not as many set plays as as other sports. The coach might call a play here or there, get you in a certain set, but you can survive without your head coach in an NBA basketball game. Golden State hasn't really been tested, but they've showed that without Steve Kerr, they're still all right. Steve Kerr is still in these guys' ears. He's still coaching when it matters. 
I don't know what his presence is like at practice, but you talked about that halftime speech that he had a couple weeks ago. So Steve Kerr's still having an impact on this team. The fact that he's not sitting there at the end of the bench, I don't think it makes that big of a deal. I'm buying. Yeah, I'm probably with you, and I think I might tweak where you're at with the NBA head coach. I think with teams as talented as these two are, that's fair. The head coach doesn't really matter. I think with a team maybe like a Boston, you know, Brad Stevens is probably able to do some things that help them, you know, win a game and be in another yeah. stuff like that. And granted, I haven't played basketball since the eighth grade, where I was actually pretty good. But, got the uh, yeah, I, I had the J. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't think the coaches like this matter as much to teams as talented as Golden State and Cleveland. Yeah, once when you have that talent on the floor and you have guys like a Steph Curry and a Draymond and big voices, big personalities that are almost on-court coaches, I think that alleviates that a little bit, too. Would agree. And this isn't something new. Let's say Steve Kerr got sick yesterday or had the surgery yesterday and there were complications. Then, yes, th- this might yeah. uh, this might be a rocky road moving forward, but they're been used playing, to it by they've now. been it's playing been, without him there. Yeah, it's, what, it's round not one? Gonna, it's not going to be visually jarring to anyone out there. No. Yeah. All right, Matt, one last buy or sell here. We, uh, I don't know if we've broached the topic yet uh, in our short history, but Colin Kaepernick is a name that bounces around podcasts and shows all the time. And this last week, we heard about him possibly finding a landing spot. Buy or sell, Matt, Colin Kaepernick is on the Seattle Seahawks 53-man roster when it's all said and done. I'll buy that. Um, Seattle's the type of team that doesn't really care about the media or you know, mm-hmm. circus that may or may not come with it and I think they're just looking for the better player available um, and you can only get away with having Tavares Jackson as your backup quarterback for so long mm-hmm. and I think if you got a guy like Colin Kaepernick who knows your system because he's played against it as many times as he has knows your culture knows your you know team building whatever I, I think he's a guy who is a, a pretty perfect fit there right behind Russell Wilson and just he makes a lot of sense for him. He he seems like a Seahawk. Uh, yeah, he, he seems like he'd fit in that offense really well. Plays a similar style to Russell Wilson. And again, if if anything happens to Russell Wilson, Tavares Jackson is not going to lead them anywhere. So they do finally, I think, need to address that backup quarterback position. I think this is their best option to do that. I think they do it. I think it's a perfect fit. Yeah, I'll I buy that. The fit definitely makes sense in this situation. And you make a great point about him seeing the Seahawks so many times during his time with the 49ers. They had that meet and greet last week, which we don't know what was said, what was asked, what was talked about, but um, he didn't work out. He didn't do anything physical with the team. I think that was just a kind of like, let's get on the same page here. This is a player's team. Pete's a player's coach. You can do what you want. You can perform your activism. You can do whatever you want. You can express yourself how you want, but we need to know those things before they happen. Yeah, You can't be, can't be coming to practice with, kill i think he had the 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 anti-cop socks on is what he is one of the things that he was doing just these these points of activism that he has every right to do and could be in the right however you think about it we just need to know about it you need to make the team aware if you're going to sit for the national anthem because we will support you in that endeavor but we need to know what's coming our way from the media side because these are businesses the seahawks are a business they're running a major corporation, a major organization there. And the last thing that organizations want are surprises. So we're going to support you, Colin Kaepernick, but we need to know what you got planned. We need to know what this year is going to look like because you do fit here. Yeah, I agree. I think you said it perfectly. I think think that's what that meet and greet was about. We don't care what you do. Just 
let us know what it's going to be and don't surprise us. Because if you surprise us, there's a problem. If you don't, fine, we'll, we'll make this work. And I think from a strictly football standpoint, it makes too much sense for both teams to and not I would, make work. I'd love to see him land there and I'd love to see him. Obviously, you don't want to see anything happen to Russell Wilson, but I'd love to see him succeed there as well just to end this end the fodder about blackballing or um, is he good enough to play quarterback in the NFL? We know Colin Kaepernick has a certain level of skill, but there's, there's all different situations. These owners all have different dispositions. Are some of them not welcoming them onto his team because of what he did last year? Absolutely. Are some of them not welcoming him onto the team because he doesn't fit? Absolutely. Are some of them not welcoming him on the team for other reasons? Absolutely. Everyone has their different reason why he's not on the team. The Seahawks make sense. That's why this could be perfect. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. I, yeah. I, so, again, I buy it. You buy it? I buy it. I think it's a fiscally responsible purchase. Get your get your jerseys now, Matt. Eh, I'll wait. You'll wait on that one? All right. I'm waiting on a Trubisky. Uh, I'm saving up for it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Can we just get mailbag? Just get to the mailbag. I'm done. <laughs> All right, Joe. Uh, it's a little bit of a lighter week, I'm guessing due to the holiday weekend, but uh, saw this one from, from at RG10 that I thought was a little bit of a fun debate. Okay. Given the chance, granted, I know neither of us are the best skaters, but uh, given the chance, which do you think you could pull off? A base hit off an MLB pitcher or scoring a goal on an NHL penalty shot? Oof. I think just degree of difficulty no defenders in the way. I say penalty shot. Uh, I'm not going to brag about my wrister or my slap shot here, but if you give me 10 pitches and 10 skates at the net, I know I have a better chance of scoring on a on an NHL goalie than I do of hitting a 96, 97 mile an hour fastball. That's there's the just thing. no there's it, just no way you're timing that up with a minimal amount of. You have to effort. tell me which pitcher I'm getting into here. That's if, true. If, if I'm going up against you know Chris Sale or you know David Robertson, somebody like that, who's you know hitting that high 94 95 whatever and then dropping hooks on me I, i'm gonna stand zero chance but if i'm if i'm going up against a you know i don't know an older pitcher who's only throwing about 89 and grooving me fastballs down the middle i might be able to touch one yeah Maybe but even those now. even those old pitchers are wily veterans no one's grooving you a fastball matt have you ever seen a two-seamer at 89 miles an hour move at your hips like a breaking ball yeah i don't think you're i don't think you're hitting that one either probably not probably right. <laughs> I, I think i think i'd have a better yeah i think i got the better chance in the penalty shot to whiff on a wrister that I'm trying to put top corner and just have slide five hole. I was going to say, what's what's the approach? What's the move here? Uh, see, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have the handles. I, I'm trying to beat him with the. See, I'm seeing you giving that. I'm seeing you giving that Patrick Kane kind of leg deke that does nothing. You know that like pick up the Ooh, leg. I could do that. The wrister. Uh, I want to see you doing that. Throw a lot of different types of smoke at him. Yeah. Don't know which way it's coming. I, I, honestly, I'm probably going with the Hosa half slap shot. Just half slap shot in the top circles. Yep. See what happens. Can do that Got 10 it. times, maybe one goes in. I think that's the best bet because it looks like a big shot and it never gets off the ice. And like you said, it just slides five hole. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Change thanks, to R- thanks to RG10% of that question. And thanks to you guys for listening. <clears throat> and uh, be sure to tweet us at Moose and Runes. Those mailbag questions are always appreciated. We like the fun ones. We'll uh, dig into some of your topics, dig into some of your questions, and uh, play a couple hypotheticals. Matt, uh, I think you're going to take us home here. Why don't you shut us down? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down! Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. I'm going to shut us down here with, uh, I purposely just didn't really write down notes about what I wanted to say. I just kind of wanted to go off the cuff and, and 
say what was in my head. We all had a, a great long weekend this week, except for you, Joe. You had to work, unfortunately. But uh, we all got that extra day off. We all had our, our barbecues, our, our time with family, our time up at the lake, whatever we did. And uh, in, in a day and age that we're in now in social media, I think on weekends like this, it's hard to forget why we're celebrating. We're, we're not celebrating, but get these days off because so many great people have done things that none of us want to do and that's that's veterans of our country that's soldiers of our country who've laid down their lives or gone to war gone overseas and I, I know we know one or two people personally and i'm not sure if anyone who ever has done that even listens to this podcast but uh, yeah. i think i just deep down want to say thank you to all those veterans those soldiers who have done things that i would be way too scared to ever try and do and willingly done them um who give us the opportunity to sit in a lake house on a Tuesday morning and record this podcast or, you know, go golf on a random Friday afternoon or you play three rounds this weekend, whatever. Um, just thank you to all those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice or even just paid the sacrifice of going. That's all I got for you. Absolutely, Matt. I, I'd love to echo that sentiment. Thank you to all of those who serve, to those who defended a home that they never got to return to and to those people's families because your strength is just as important as uh, those fighting. So thank you guys and thank you for listening to the Moose and Runes podcast. We'll be back at our regular scheduled date next week, Monday. Matt, I'm heading to NYC tomorrow, so hopefully I'll have a story or two for us. Ooh, the Big Apple. The Big Apple. Can you bring Take me light. back a Big Apple? Uh, I don't know if that's TSA regulated. Oh, you probably just put it in the backpack. They won't see it. All right, Matt. Always All good right. tackle, talking with you. Have Moose a good one, Joe. We're out. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs>